Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Within the Ropes. This is episode 10, all right? I'm back again. This is your host, the host, Brian Tronic, and man, it feels good. This is um, the third episode um, since, since coming back. So, you know, getting back in the swing of things. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Um, I, I, I'm dropping this episode a tad bit late. I was... You know, I'm trying to get back in the swing of things, get back into my schedule. Um, I want to drop these episodes regularly every Thursday and Saturday morning. Right. So um, but I got to I got to, you know, I'm having a baby soon and um, me and my wife have a baby shower part one this weekend uh, and then part two is next weekend. And so we're just. You know, we're just getting ready for that, um, getting prepared, all that good stuff. But I hope all you wrestling fans out there are having a good week. Um, it's been a lot of a lot of wrestling going on uh, throughout this week. I'm going to get into a lot of things, talk about some news that's been floating around the wrestling world, uh, get into like a quick review of Raw, NXT, and uh, AEW Dynamite and all the news surrounding AEW and New Japan. But I want to start off with, again, yet another name change in WWE. Two of them, um, two NXT superstars this time, Casey Catanzaro and Kaylee Ray. Um, Casey Catanzaro, who will now be uh, under the name Katana Chance, which I don't have an issue with. Again, I'm going to say it. I have no issues with this name change situation at all whatsoever. Yeah, can the names be better? Of course. Of course, some of the names can be a lot better than they are. But, you know, it is what it is. As long as they don't change up much about, you know, who the person is, like in-ring style or, you know, mess with the character too much, I'm not really tripping. Kaylee Ray um, will now be known as Alba fire i hope i'm saying that right i'm probably not but um and keep in mind i know you guys seen the reports just like i did vince mcmahon um obviously like not wanting anyone to use their real names anymore going forward coming from nxt to the main roster and or their names that they used on the independent scene casey catanzaro is casey catanzaro's real name so there you go and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Kaylee Ray's real name is really Kaylee Ray. It's just spelled different. It's not spelled, you know, uh, K-A-Y-L-E-R-A-Y. It's, it's spelled different. So there you go. That explains why their names got changed. Um, there's one person whose name didn't get changed, though, after appearing on a dark segment. Uh, I guess it was before last week's SmackDown taping. It's uh, L.A. Knight who appeared as a manager forming his own stable named Night Model Management. And apparently his first client is Mace, now known as Face. So there you go. I guess another name change for uh, Deal Matted. But a lot of people had issue with this, you know, LA Knight being um, a manager. And it wasn't until they the footage came out, and I don't know who who got it or who, how it happened or what, but the footage came out of LA Knight actually during the segment and, you know, introducing his new client, introducing that he's 
We were saying that he's starting night model management and everybody loved it. Everyone was like, oh, this is going to be great. I wonder who the members are going to be, blah, 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 all that stuff. So, you know, just wait on it. You know, something will happen. Maybe, uh, maybe who's to say LA Knight's not going to wrestle, right? I still think that LA Knight's going to wrestle, even though he's debuting or potentially debuting as a manager. That doesn't mean he can't wrestle. So I'm going to remain positive about this. He still has his name. He still has the graphics, still has the way he talks, his swag, everything about him is still the same. So good. I don't think LA Knight's his real name, and he damn sure didn't use LA Knight on the independent scene. So I, I don't see that changing at all, um, at all. But uh, going back to Casey Catanzaro, she actually explained the reason for her name change on uh it was like a little dot com thing after nxt 2.0 i believe it's up on their youtube page so you can go look at it and find it but um basically she said that everyone knows her as casey catanzaro and that is her but there's parts of her that people haven't seen except for Caden carter who is her tag partner um where she gets to do what she wants and you know shooting back straight whiskey and letting loose these are, this is, these are her words, right? So I, 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 it's the way she's explaining it. She's in character. It's, it's fluid. It's, it's working. Like she sounds believable. Um, she says Caden isn't the only one that could party and shake a little something. So uh, she said that uh, Katana Chance is the energy. Katana Chance is who she is, and she'll be bringing that to NXT from now on. And so, I'm, I'm fine with that. Hey. I wish they would I wish they would get wrestlers to explain. I know everyone's not going to be able to give an explanation, but I, I wish they would give people more of an opportunity to um you know explain why there's a name change, or at least the announcers or somebody give some type of an explanation. I feel like they kind of did that with Butch. They didn't say Pete Dunn, but they did uh acknowledge that he did go by a different name. And they even insinuated that Butch was his nickname, was just, was just a nickname. So who's to say down the line he won't be Pete Butch Dunn or he won't go back to Pete Dunn, you know? Who knows? Um, let's get it. Uh, I was going to get into what Triple H said. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about it um, real quick before we get into some Monday Night Raw notes. He talked about the move to NXT 2.0. Um, he talked about, you know, everything that happened prior to the pandemic and saying that the pandemic, you know, messed everything up and all the plans and everything that they were trying to do. They have to, they had to shift their focus to doing it in front of no people. Um, this is his interview. I believe he had with the athletic. So you guys can look that up as well. Um, he said that they had to shift their focus, um, on, on doing, doing what they do in front of no people, which, you know, obviously everyone had to across the entire company, right? Not just NXT, all brands had to do it. Um, he said it completely altered what they were doing. They couldn't recruit. They couldn't train talent for, you know, almost two years. Um, but the show stayed the same and, you know, good stuff like that. And when you, when you, when you hear that from him in regards to NXT and, you know, him saying that the show stayed the same, um, and then, you know, in, in this in this interview, he, he said, OK, let's reboot it and go back to what we originally were. And a lot of people I know probably weren't watching NXT when it was in its complete developmental stage, like those early days of Charlotte and 
Bailey and Sasha Banks. I would consider that the early days of NXT developmental when, you, you, you know, and Bray, Bray and them were still there. The Shield were still making appearances on NXT. A lot of people don't talk about that when they talk about NXT. They talk about the takeover days. A lot of people are, um, they're not familiar with, you know, NXT arrival and, you know, those early specials. I know people are, but, you know, a lot of people aren't. They didn't start watching until they started doing takeovers and things like that. So when he's talking about, you know, getting back to what they originally were, that's what I think he's talking about. Um, and he says some of these people won't be ready for TV, but they're going to put them on TV. And they believe, you know, the audience is invested enough that the numbers, you know, might come down, but a core group will uh, will stay. And that they're, you know, that they're creating fresh stars all the time now. And he went on to mention Braun Breaker. He said that he's been training for a year. He said half the women have been there a year. Uh, there's a lot of fresh and new people, um, you know. So I, I, I see that as a, as a good thing. I'm glad that they're going back to their developmental ways where they're kind of just building up superstars and getting them ready the way that they feel like they should be ready for the main roster. And then we'll see what happens. I, I believe that um, it'll work out for the best for WWE uh, as a whole. But let's get into Monday Night Raw and what went down. Um, it was a normal Monday Night Raw. It started with, it seems like the norm nowadays, right? It started with uh, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes having a face-to-face. And Seth Rollins basically saying that, you know, uh, Cody Rhodes... Uh, is that you know he wants Cody Rhodes to have a match and Seth Rollins is going to pick who his opponent will be but Cody Rhodes won't know until it happens he basically wanted Cody to feel what he felt at WrestleMania and I can't help but think like but Seth you you wanted that you know what I mean like you you were fine with not knowing who your opponent was you know but it's typical Seth Rollins obviously I think Seth Rollins is doing some of the best work ever out of across the brands, uh, all across the company, he's he's continuing to prove, you know, why he's put in these important situations like, you know, whether it's winning titles, being in the main events um, of WrestleMania, being the, the one to cash in at WrestleMania, you know, having the match with Cody in his first match back. That's huge. That's huge stuff. But um, we got the women's tag title match that everybody was had been waiting on for the last few weeks. Naomi and Sasha defending against Liv and Rhea Ripley, which obviously ended with the champions retaining. I mean, there's no way that I think they should take those titles off of Naomi and Sasha Banks, especially with the amount of exposure and, you know, the things that Sasha Banks is getting into. I don't know if, you know, you guys out there that's listening have been seeing what Sasha's been doing, but She's been moving. She's been doing her thing. And, you know, you can only look. Sasha Banks is straight superstar, you know, superstar mode all the time, whether it's on social media or in person. She's a superstar, you know, and um, I think that I think that it's going to come a time. I know a lot of people say that, oh, Sasha Banks, she's going to, you know, leave for Hollywood and all that stuff. I don't think I think she's got unfinished business. I think she knows she's got unfinished business. Um, she wants to have, I think, uh, at least if I was her, I would like to have a big WrestleMania match where I would win. I know she probably enjoys 
And a lot of people need to understand this. There's one thing to, yeah, everybody wants to win, but, you know, you play a big part when you're putting someone over, especially up and coming, young, you know, new star, Bianca Belair. You know, Sasha probably takes pride while she, you know, does have a pretty bad record at WrestleMania. She got her first win, obviously, winning the women's tag titles with Naomi. I feel like being having that opportunity to, Get in there with girls like Charlotte and Bailey and Becky and having been part of that core, being, a, you know, an original four horsewoman member and then mixing it up and, and making history, main eventing night one of WrestleMania with uh, Bianca Belair, you know, the first two first black women ever to ever main event WrestleMania in a championship match. That It's a beautiful thing. So, um yeah, I don't, I don't know if Sasha Banks is as critical about her career as a lot of her fans and as a lot of people, you know, watching. But, you know, maybe she is. and Maybe she's just handling it different than what people want. Um, at the end of the match, Rhea Ripley finally turned on Liv Morgan. You know, and a lot of speculation, a lot of, um, obviously, we've been waiting for this. Everybody knows the reports and has seen the reports. Rhea Ripley possibly joining Edge's stable i don't think they have a name yet but possibly joining edge one thing that you know uh, i didn't realize until i started seeing the pictures floating around is that uh for the past few weeks there's every every time there's a segment during you know backstage for rhea ripley there's always been like a purple light in the background and obviously we know that edge has been you know uh, coming out in purple lighting you know, uh, Damien Priest r- just recently uh, embracing the purple lighting. So it's just just like, okay, they, it looks like that's what they're going to do. Have Rhea Ripley join Edge, and I couldn't pick a better person at this point. Rhea Ripley needs that extra push, I believe, to elevate and go to the next level in her career. And so when you think about Hall of Famer, Edge, you know, multi-time world champion, I mean, he's he's... He's been through it all in the WWE, and when you got, you know, Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley and possibly, I know another name out there was Tommaso Ciampa, you know, that's a great group to push to the next level. It's sort of like what Jericho's doing, I feel like, or what he did with um, the Inner Circle, what he's doing with the Jericho Appreciation Society. It's that same thing. It's the same thing to me. It's that same energy where... You know what you can do. You know what you bring to the table. You know that these three have the potential to be huge stars in this company. So what do you do? You take them under your wing. You show them the way. And then when the time is right, you let them go do what they do best. And so I feel like that's what we're getting ready to see. We're getting ready to see Edge take these people under their wing, take these guys and girls under their wing, under his wing, and, and you, you know, um, you know, be able to bring something out of them that maybe they didn't know that they were capable of because sometimes you need a little push. And I think Edge is the perfect man to do that. Uh, we got Sonya Deville um, in ring segment, which almost got completely hijacked by Buffalo. Um, but she was able to remain calm and keep her composure. Uh, Bianca Belair comes out and her and Deville basically set up a match for next week in her hometown of Knoxville. Um, so I don't know if they're just going to have this match and it's going to be done, or maybe they won't have this match. What I hope they're not doing is 
doing the exact same storyline that um, Sonya and Naomi had where every week they would tease a match and then they wouldn't have a match and then maybe they would have a match and you'd be caught off guard like, oh, so they actually are having a match. And then it doesn't lead to the pay-per-view or anything like that. That's what I hope. You know, I hope that it's not going to end up that way. But um, Sonya Deville, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is a superstar. She's, She's big. I love when I when I when I give an opinion or I say something about someone or I'm critical because I was critical about Bianca Belair and her 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 promo skills, her skills on the mic. I was extremely critical. Um, I never doubted her in ring skills. I know she's got it. She's got what it takes. But as far as cutting a promo and 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 being in the ring talking, felt like she lacked a bit in that area. But she's she's proven me wrong. She's you know continued to push through and get better and better every week. I think her having the championship, you know, gives her like that that extra push to want to be great, to want to, you know, continue to make history. And that's one thing I admire about uh, Bianca Belair. She's another one of those who don't let the outside noise affect her, at least to the point where it starts to show in the ring. She's a true pro and, and, you know, you can't ask for anything better than that, especially nowadays. In pro wrestling, someone who's a true pro and who's going to get it done no matter what. Backstage, Sonya Deville was upset with Adam Pierce, or just upset in general because Bianca Belair put her hands on a WWE official, and Adam Pierce goes on to say that he, you know, he gave Bianca Belair the biggest fine ever, um, and it ended up being one dollar. And so, you know, Bianca pulled up; she paid her fine. And that was that. So we're getting a championship match next week. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think, like I said, I hope it's not going to be the same formula that they used with Sonya and Naomi. But so far, it's looking like it's going down that path. But hopefully I'm wrong about it. But, I'm, um, you know, if we get a legit match between, you know, the two next week, then I'll be happy. Um, We got KO show. Obviously, the lie detector test between. Ezekiel and Kevin Owens, and that ended up basically, you know, Ezekiel is telling the truth. Um, it would be nice if we saw them somehow spin it to where Elias shows up one of these weeks. And obviously, Ezekiel can't be there too, but it would be cool if Elias showed up. I don't know if you could put a fake beard on him or if you just have him come back with no beard. I don't know. Maybe they can spin some type of character out of Elias and Ezekiel, sort of like a Mick Foley, you know, how he had the three faces of Foley. Maybe they can do the same thing with Ezekiel and Elias. That'll be cool. But the segment went on, and it led to a match between Chad Gable and Ezekiel. Obviously, Ezekiel picked up the win, um, you know, after disqualification from Otis running in and attacking Ezekiel. We got RK Bro uh, going up against the Street Profits. That ended up with the Street Profits picking up the win with uh, the Usos music causing a distraction. I think Montez Ford had signaled. It looked like he was signaling for somebody to come out, but the Usos music hits. And while we thought the Usos were going to come out, that wasn't the case. Street Profits hit the Street Sweeper for the win. Uh, And then on the ramp, Montez Ford tells Riddle and Orton that, you know, he had the Usos music played during the match. He says, you know, RK Bro is so focused on the Usos when they should also be focused and worried about the Street Profits. So 
I don't know if this means that the Street Profits are going to go heel or if they're just fed up and it's like a, you know, we're going to we're going to do what we do what we got to do to, you know, uh not be disrespected. Either way, I think this adds something new and a different dynamic for the Street Profits. I know they're I know a lot of people are high on them and and Montez keeps things interesting and exciting exciting about the Street Profits, but you know, they've been the same for so long. It's like, I want them to, you know, them getting some edge, whether that's them turning heel all the way or the, just them having more of an edge because they're tired of being treated and, and tired of being screwed out of opportunity after opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the way things are going for the Street Profits. We got a segment with Edge who had a pretty, probably one of the best promos I've heard him cut since being back. Um, and obviously Damian Priest was by his side. So I'm interested to see where that story goes again, stay on the lookout for Rhea Ripley, possibly Tommaso Ciampa or whoever. Um, we got the United States championship match, Finn Balor defending against theory, my guy theory. And, you know, people were talking about Finn Balor and, and, you know, basically judging his United States championship reign. It wasn't the best. It hasn't been the best. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have those type of title reigns. Finn Balor, I think, was put in a situation to where he could have been successful, but maybe they see something in theory to where, okay, we got to put the title on him immediately. Uh, I think it would have been better if Finn got a couple wins under his belt, beat a couple people to make Austin Theory's win against him that much better. But yeah, Austin Theory is the new United States champion. He had a, a, a I guess a semi big celebration at the end where all the heels uh hit the ring, you know, uh, T Bar and um what the hell is dude's name? Uh, uh Commander Aziz had put uh, Austin Theory on his shoulder on their shoulders. And then Vince McMahon's music hits. He comes out, and they take a championship selfie together. So that was cool. And then we get a double commitment ceremony between Tamina and Akira Tozawa and uh, Dana Brooke and Reggie. And it was hosted by R-Truth. And this was cool. I know it's not a lot of people's cup of tea, and not everyone's going to like it. You know, it's it's the inter- it's very sports entertainment, um, but I think it's unlocked, and we've seen a completely different side of people like Tazawa and Tamina. Even I know Tamina, we're so used to her being mean and angry and bad and tough, and 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 I just think that this is this has been really good for her. She's been able to show a different side, and and you know, not so much, not be so much, you know, angry and. Because, again, you get kind of boring when you stay the same over and over and over and over. And, again, I think Reggie's gotten a lot comfortable. Dana Brooke has also gotten a lot more comfortable. And Tozawa, he's Kira Tozawa. And, of course, R-Truth. And then you got Sasha Banks and Naomi. And I know a lot of people had an issue with Sasha Banks being a part of this segment. It's not like she got on the mic and was doing anything or chasing after the 24-7 title or anything like that. She was there for, or both of them, Naomi and Sasha, were both there for their friend, Tamina. So it makes sense. I don't know why everybody has a problem with that. But the double commitment ceremony was good. Um, Reggie ended up pinning 
uh, Dana Brooke becoming the 24-7 champion. And then Tamina boots him in the face and pins him. She becomes the 24-7 champion. And then Tazawa rolls up Tamina. He becomes the 24-7 champion. And then Dana Brooke dives off the top rope, hits a crossbody on Akira Tazawa. And then she becomes the 24-7 champion again. And then she hops on our truth back. And then they run up the ramp. And then that's pretty much the end of that segment. And again, like I said, it's there's no harm in a little bit of entertainment. WWE pretty much puts on the best uh, wedding segments ever. The best one being Triple H, Stephanie, and Tess. That was that's the best one to me. But I don't. I didn't have an issue with this with this uh, segment at all. We move on to MVP uh, issuing a challenge for a test of strength between Omos and Bobby Lashley, and obviously Bobby Lashley accepts. So that'll be interesting to see next week. And then we get down to the main event, Cody Rhodes facing off against, you know, a, a mystery opponent of Seth Rollins choosing. And um, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's not really obvious because Kevin Owens was in the segment prior uh, with with Ezekiel. But I mean, Seth Rollins don't really have very many friends. I know a lot of people were saying maybe Tommaso Ciampa, you know, names like that. But it ended up being Kevin Owens. And um, Kevin Owens and, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes have a banger. I saw this match. They had a match on the night after WrestleMania, uh, the dark main event, and it was a good match. They had another good match here on Monday Night Raw, and Cody Rhodes obviously ended up picking up the victory via countout after (laughs) Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens get into an argument at ringside. You know, Rollins is trying to motivate Kevin Owens to get back in the ring, and he's like, Get your fat ass back in the ring. And Kevin Owens like, what did you just say to me? And he's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. This is, this is your match. And he took a walk. And so that's how Cody Rhodes ended up picking up the victory. So, again, you know, some people didn't like this, this, this decision to, have, you know, have it end in the count out. But obviously, you don't want to have Kevin Owens, who's on a, on a run right now. You don't want to have him pinned. You don't want to have Cody Rhodes pinned. It makes sense. Like, you're going to call me a fat ass and you expect for me to get back in the ring and fight your battles, fight your opponent. I'm not doing it. So it made sense to me to have Kevin Owens just walk off and just be like, I'm done. So, you know, you can take it how you want to take it. But that's pretty much what happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Like I said, Austin Theory is the new United States champion. So hopefully he gets booked better than uh, Finn Balor did and we get a meaningful run. I know Austin Theory or Theory has the ability and has what it takes to put on good, good, good matches. So, you know, we'll see, hopefully. Um, There's some more wrestling news. Kushida has left WWE. Um, Sean Ross Sapp of of Fightful Select reported the news that um, there were early indications that suggested that Kushida's contract expired, but it was unclear, but I believe it was Dave Meltzer who confirmed that he indeed left um, WWE. His contract expired, and he was expected to show up in New Japan sometime next month, I believe. So, Or in June, not, not next month, in June. I don't know what's taking him so long. Maybe he'll show up in New Japan um, with the, the joint show that um, AEW and New Japan are doing. But I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's see if I, I think we got some more news. FTR uh, has drawn some interest from WWE. 
Um, and you, I guess you could say you knew this was coming. Obviously, WWE, they don't really have much of a tag team division. So if you're talking FTR going back to WWE or even FTR being interested in going back to WWE right now, I don't see that happening because I think FTR ultimately care about tag team wrestling and the tag team division as a whole, not so much personal accolades or anything like that. Obviously not the money because they were offered, you know, a great deal of money before leaving and they, you know, they turned it down. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think the, 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 I, yeah, I believe on FIFO selected, they reported that AEW informed them that as of now, FTR have over a year remaining on their current deal. So, you know, I, I don't know what, where the interest level is going to be for WWE and FTR going forward. I know that they're the ring of honor tag team champions that are triple, triple a tag team champions. So they just, they're, they, they just turned baby face um, or they're in the process of turning baby face. So we'll see what happens. Would I like to see FTR as FTR, not as the revival, but as FTR in WWE? Yeah, I would. Do I think they'll come? Maybe if the tag division is better by then, then they might. I know that um, they're going to finally unify the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania Backlash. So maybe with the titles being combined, unified, we'll have you know we'll have the champions bounce back and forth. That way we can focus on one champion. Maybe get the division going again. But you know who knows? You know WWE likes to do a lot of things that you know. Don't make sense sometimes. Um, there is uh, more details on Alexa Bliss. I guess there's some word out there that Alexa is unhappy with WWE, and she's been off television for the last couple of months. Um, but Fightful, again, was informed that in January uh, that up to nine vignettes have been filmed for Alexa Bliss's return to the ring and WWE programming. And after being sidelined for several months, they, they you know, they talked about bringing her back. They brought her back in Elimination Chamber. Um, but even after that, there's no substantial creative direction for Alexa Bliss. And she's voiced her displeasure and even, I guess, went to Vince McMahon herself and tried to talk to him. And so I don't know what's going to happen with Alexa Bliss. I think that she should just be patient. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Alexa Bliss, but... Let's not forget, you know, at the height of Alexa Bliss's career when she was winning championships and, you know, uh, cashing in uh, briefcases and becoming champion, a lot of people had a lot of cruel things to say about her. A lot of people didn't like Alexa. A lot of people were tired of Alexa when she had that match with Nia Jax at WrestleMania. You know, a lot of people didn't like it. So, you know, and then just, re and just recently when she, you know, uh, stole Bray Wyatt's gimmick. You know, I feel like that's not her fault. She's doing her job. She's doing what she's supposed to do. She didn't steal the gimmick. Obviously, WWE gave it to her. They told her that she had to do it, so she had to do it. You know, so I don't know, man. I feel like a lot of people are just, will just want to be angry for no reason. Oh, Alexa Bliss isn't being utilized. She needs to be on TV. Look, it's okay that she missed WrestleMania. She can take, you know, a back seat and let other people get their shine and get their moments. Um, because prior to her being gone, she was she had been in a couple of WrestleMania. She I believe she went into she's she's gone into WrestleMania as champion like two times before. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Hopefully they do come up with something for her, though. 
um, maybe as a potential opponent for Bianca Belair going forward. I hope that, you know, in the Raw Women's Championship side of things that we eventually get Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. Hopefully Rhea Ripley can get up some wins, you know, whether before she joins Edge or after. I hope that we get um, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. But, you know, if they can work Alexa Bliss in there in between, hell, the money in the bank's coming up. Maybe she can come back and win the briefcase. That's an option. That's an option for her. But, you know, only time will tell. We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, But let's get into (sighs) NXT, my favorite show of the week. Um, I love the development. Like I said, last week's episode, I love seeing the young guys and girls, you know, find themselves, you know, get into their bag and, and just, you know, you're looking at the future of, of the WWE, you know, so I enjoy NXT 2.0. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but oh, well, uh, they started off the show with pretty deadly and, um, no Gibson and Drake who. I guess I, I should have brought that up at the beginning of the show. They went, they under, they underwent name changes as well. They are just Gibson and Drake. They do not go by GYV. Um, but they, you know, they took issue with um, not being in the gauntlet match last week and they wanted a title shot. And Legato del Fantasma comes out and, you know, every, of course, you know what happens in the NXT. There's always a fight. Um, and during the fight, Braun Breaker jumps the barricade. He grabs the mic and he says he wants his father's Hall of Fame ring back. And he wants Joe Gacy in the ring right now. And Gacy appeared on the Tron, all the Trons, all the screens in the NXT arena. And he told Braun Breaker to come find him. So that's basically, you know, how that went. Saray had a match with Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton gives me extreme Charlotte Flair vibes. She's extremely athletic. She's long. Um... And the fact that she's only 20, 23, or she's about to turn 23, she's only 22 years old, and she's already that good in the ring and able to hold her own. Um, I love her corkscrew splash that she does. Um, she ended up defeating Saray and picking up the win. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that she's so good to the point where she needs to be called up, but I would keep an eye on her. I would keep an eye on her because she is really, really good in that ring. And, and, and I'm impressed every time I watch her. She's one of my favorites. Um, throughout the night, you know, Braun Breaker searching for, for Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy playing mind games the entire night. Pretty deadly uh, coming to a, a face-to-face situation with Dexter Loomis and um, Duke Hudson. And basically, Duke Hudson and, and, or I guess I should say, Indy Hartwell and Persia kind of laid down the challenge. So, you know, they announced that for the main event. Obviously, you know, pretty deadly two weeks in a row, main event, first winning the titles in their debut match in NXT 2.0, but then defending the championships in the main event. Special. That's all I got to say. Yes, boy. Yes, boy. Pretty deadly. I love those guys as well. We get a backstage, Grayson Waller, you know, uh, Colin Sanga, dead weight, Andre Chase, and Bodie, you know, both tell Grayson Waller that this is a teachable moment. Sanga bursts in and chases Grayson Waller to the ring, and a referee gets in the ring and obviously rings a bell. So we get Grayson Waller versus his, you know, former bodyguard, I guess you can call him, Sanga. They had a good match. Grayson Waller ended up winning after he hits the rolling, I don't know if it's a cutter or 
whatever you want to call it. But Grayson Waller picks up the win, and rightfully so, I guess, because he's more established. I don't, you know, this is this was like the first or second time we really got to see Sangha. No, this is like the second time we really got to see Sangha in action. Maybe the third. Maybe the third. But um, I'm glad. We get Roxanne Perez, who used to go by Roxy, a former Ring of Honor Women's Champion. She... You know, talks about her in-ring debut next week. Toxic Attraction comes and she, you know, they interrupt. You know, uh, Mandy Rose tells Perez not to set her her hopes too high. And then Perez, you know, thanks Mandy Rose. And JC Jane says that Perez is already getting a big head and she challenges her to a match. And Perez says, you know, we'll figure something out. So left us, you know, for the, like, I guess for the great portion of the show, wondering if, you know, Roxanne was going to, have her debut next week or if she was going to be having a match this week ended up having a match this week obviously um and we'll get to that in a second but Cora Jade Natty um everyone knows what 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 happened to Cora Jade last week Natty putting her in a sharpshooter slapping her in the face you know basically roughing her up Natty's got an issue with most of the women uh, specifically coming from NXT over to the main roster you know, taking the spotlight, taking the spot. I feel like Natty's always been this way. And I'm starting to think Natty probably really feels this way in real life. I don't know. She plays the part really good. Uh, we get Drake and Gibson going up against uh, Legato Del Fantasma. But before the match, Fallon Henley attacked um, Electra Lopez. Looks like they're building a little bit of story here. Legato Del Fantasma um, going up against Brooks and Jensen. Fallon Henley, Electra Lopez on the other side. So, you know, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Legato Del Fantasma ended up picking up the win. This would set Drake and Gibson and on the spiral. And apparently they're getting ready to leave. They said that this is the last time that we'll see them in NXT. I'm thinking, obviously, with the name change, that they'll be called up to the main roster, which they're needed there because... They need tag teams. They need a tag division. They need more tag teams. I'm, we've been seeing for months now, RK-Bro, uh, Alpha Academy, Street Profits, Usos. You know, uh, before uh, Rick Boogs got hurt, it was Boogs and Nakamura. So uh, they could use some more tag teams. So I'm excited for Drake and Gibson if they actually do get called up to the main roster. We got Carmelo Hayes and Santos Escobar in a banger match. Um, basically, you know, they both want their hands uh, on the NXT North American Championship. They both want another opportunity trying to earn it here in this match. Carmelo Hayes uh, picks up the win, though, after Santos Escobar was attacked by two mobsters on the outside, obviously in relation to Tony D'Angelo. They came out there. Tony D'Angelo's been having a little side feud with Santos. There's a lot going on. Legato Del Fantasma as a group. You know, you got Santos feuding with uh, Carmelo Hayes. You got him feuding with Tony D'Angelo. You got uh, Raul Mendoza, or who goes by, uh, 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 what the hell is his name? Uh, Del Toro, Cruz Del Toro, and Joaquin Wild. Excuse me, that's another name change which I talked about last week. Um, they're going at it with Brooks and Jensen. It's, it's just everybody's into something. Um but, you know, you know, it is what it is. The A champ trying to get the championship back. And so we'll see. They set up a match uh, for spring breaking, I believe, in a few weeks. NXT spring breaking, triple threat match. 
going to be Cameron Grimes defending against Carmelo Hayes and Solo Sokoa for the North American Championship, so that should be good. We got to see Wes Lee back on, on screen for um, the first time since having to relinquish the NXT Tag Team titles, and he got approached by Zion Quinn, who obviously had some things to say about him, obviously led to a match. Zion Quinn, pretty much, I wouldn't say it's a squash, but pretty much a squash. And I'm interested to see what they do with Wesley, if he's able to maintain a, 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 a singles run in NXT, if there's a place for him. I think there is. You can always bring Ricochet down to NXT and have him team with Wesley as well. But I don't know. We'll see. Looks like they're not really, obviously, they're not saying anything about what happened. But I know after the match later on, he had his phone. It looked like he was calling Nash or Nash was calling him. And you know, Nash wouldn't pick up the phone and he got f- super frustrated. So I don't know if this is going to be a character change for Wes or if, you know, maybe they're going to work. I don't know if they would work Nash Carter back in. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But um, we'll see what happens with that. I'm glad Wes was on TV nonetheless. Um, Natalia Tatum Paxley. Tatum Paxley, another one of my favorites. She stepped to Natalia last week, which led to this match. Um, Natalia obviously picking up the win. After a good, decent match, though, I think Paxley held her own against someone who, you know, is young and up and coming and someone who I think has a place. I don't know what's going on with her and the Diamond Mine story and Ivy Nile. I think uh, it seems like that story has shifted over to uh, NXT level up, but we'll see. After the match, um, Natalia, you know, had some things to say about the women, and, and like I said earlier, the women in NXT coming up to the main roster, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, that's why she decided this time she was going to come to Cora Jade's house and she was going to get in her face and confront her. Nikita Lyons would then confront Natty and says that, you know, she got Lash Legend, Lash Legend next week, but, you know, after she's done with Lash, she's coming for her. So, you know, I'm sure the internet will love that. Um, and then obviously, you know, we got our main event for the tag team titles. Oh, before I get to that, let's talk about Roxanne Perez and JC Jane. That was a good match. Roxanne Perez ended up winning with a distraction by Wendy Chu. I don't know what's going on with Wendy and Toxic Attraction, but I'm glad Wendy Chu is still on TV. She showed up on the Tron and she, you know, destroyed the Toxic Lounge. And 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 so JC Jane was caught off guard. Obviously, Perez hit her with the code red for the win or the or I guess it's a code. It's a code red or a uh, Canadian destroy. I don't know. I it looks the same to me, but it's kind of not. It's like a sit down pin style. Cold red. Roxanne Perez, aka Roxy, picks up her first win on NXT 2.0. She did cut a promo backstage, or it was like a, she had an interview after the show. You can see it on the socials where she talked about her long road to this moment and everything she's done uh, to try and get to this point in WWE. Um, you know, and it was real cool. She's got the date where she started wrestling tattooed on her wrist. So it was cool. It was good stuff. Um, Legato Del Fantasma walking to their car. Santos Escobar says he doesn't care about Carmelo Hayes anymore. And he wants the two guys who attacked him. And when they get to their truck, their truck has a boot on it and a dead fish on the hood. So we all know who that who did that. We all know who that's coming from. Tony D'Angelo. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested in a Tony D'Angelo, Santos Escobar feud, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. NXT Tag Team Championship, main event, pretty deadly, going up against Dexter Loomis and Duke Hudson. 
Um, this was a good match. Not too, too crazy. Um, we got to see Pretty Deadly wrestle like a full, full, full match, though, against some fresh, obviously, um, the Creed brothers were super tired after their match um, or after the series of matches that they went through, the gauntlet to try and capture the NXT tag team titles. Pretty Deadly ended up picking up the victory, though. Um, Kit Wilson pulls Dexter Loomis off the apron. Um, Wild and Prince uh, pins Hudson in the ring. So there you go. Pretty deadly and still. And like I said, I want to I want everybody to pay attention. Pretty deadly. Main eventing NXT last week in their debut match. Main eventing this week. Defending the tag team titles. I would say that, you know, the higher ups are, you know, high on pretty deadly. And then at the end, obviously, the end, the main event segment showed Joe Gacy appearing on the the little deck thing. I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, he told Braun Breaker to join him. Braun Breaker, you know, climbs his way or gets up to up to the, you know, the balcony part where Joe Gacy is. And uh, Gacy tells Breaker that if he wants his father's Hall of Fame ring back, that he all he had to do was ask. But, you know, on one condition, Joe Gacy will give it back to him on one condition and that he wants a title match at spring breaking. And Braun Breaker agrees. Joe Gacy gives Breaker the ring, and then Joe Gacy tells Braun Breaker he just needs to take a leap of faith, and Braun Breaker looks confused. Gacy pushes him off the ledge, which I should have seen coming, but uh, he pushes him off the ledge, and uh, you know Braun Breaker obviously hurt, and then it looks like Joe Gacy has druids as they were standing over Braun Breaker, and that's how the show ended. So It was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, spring breaking, um, which is set for April 19th. No, no, not April 19th. I'm sorry. Um, when is it May? I don't know what it is. I'm not sure when it is. Um, in two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. North American Championship match, triple threat, Solo Sokoa, Cameron Grimes, Carmelo Hayes. That should be good. It's, it's kind of difficult. I don't know if I don't know if Carmelo Hayes could take a loss. I don't know if Solo Sokoa could take another loss. I feel like they both can be North American champion. I don't know if they want to make Cameron Grimes reign this short. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. Um, NXT championship but, uh, match set uh, as well uh, for spring break and Braun Breaker defending against Joe Gacy. So that should be fun. Real quick, before we get into AEW, I want to go over some stuff on AEW Dark. Now, I don't normally watch AEW Dark, but I checked it out. This week, and the only thing I really want to talk about is Tony Storm picking up a victory, you know, more so just being on AEW Dark. I know a lot of people have an issue with that, but let's be fair. AEW does a great job of uh, making their, you know, dark shows seem more important. I wish they would promote them a little bit more on Dynamite and talk about them more, even if it's just a quick. You know, let's take you back to what happened on, you know, AEW Dark this week. Even if it's just something like that, I feel like it benefit, um, you know, people who are wrestling on there a great deal, especially because a lot of people who wrestle on there don't really get that much TV time or that many wins on Dynamite or Rampage. But we saw uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee defeat uh, the Factory. Uh, you know, that was a good match. Marina Shafir picked up a win. She's getting ready to challenge Jade Cargill for the TBS championship tomorrow. So that's good. Uh, Tony Nice with smart Mark Sterling got a, picked up a victory over J.D. Griffey. Um, 
and yeah, so it was it was cool. It wasn't too much. Like I said, it's it's AW dark, so it's not gonna be like super banger matches. It's usually a bunch of quick, fast, like okay, boom, boom, boom. Okay, matches over, boom, 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 matches over. And then on AEW Dark Elevation, we saw Andrade picking up a win over Allen Angels. Tony Nice again picking up another win. Um, the Hardys, and this, you know, got a lot of people scratching their heads of, you know, why are the Hardys wrestling on dark and dark elevation and things like that. Matt Hardy went on social media to say that, you know, they, they obviously Tony Khan puts them in position to succeed and he, he puts value into the legends and things like that. And they don't mind teaming up with top flight. They like top flight. They like wrestling on dark and dark elevation and all that. So, you know, Hey, if the Hardys are happy, I say this about even stuff that happens in WWE. If, if they're happy, then they're happy. Who are we to say they should or shouldn't be wrestling on whatever show, right? So that was that. Let's get into Dynamite real quick. Um, it was a good show, um, headlined by Darby Allen and Andrade in a coffin match. But they started to show off with Dustin Rhodes and CM Punk. It was a good match. Um, I think Dustin Rhodes could still go. I would like for him to lose the paint and go back to the actual natural Dustin Rhodes. And, you know, have a little program with somebody, maybe turn heel, do something, you know. Um, we had two Owen Hart tournament uh, qualifying matches, I guess you'd call them. Uh, Jungle Boy and Kyle O'Reilly had a banger. Kyle O'Reilly obviously came up with the, with the, with the win. He's advancing. And then we got uh, Dr. Britt Baker going up against Danielle Camella. And obviously, Britt Baker in her hometown of Pittsburgh, she picked up the win. Wardlow beat the Butcher. Hook won in his Dynamite debut. But the one thing that um, I think everybody was tuning in for was Tony Khan's huge announcement. And um, he didn't do it alone. He had some help from Adam Cole, who helped bring in the announcement of, I guess you can call it a super show, AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling coming together to present The Forbidden Door Live from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, Sunday, June 26th. This is huge news. Um, I'm not as like, oh, my God, about it as, you know, most people. But I'm not going to deny it. It's a, it's a big deal. Huge news. Um, two huge, big, mega companies coming together to put on one big show for the fans, I think, is really, really cool. And, um, you know, Jay White showed up. And he you know, said what he said. He said that he sold single-handedly sold out Madison Square Garden uh, for the ROH New Japan uh, G1 Supercard event. And uh, he said he did it on his own. He said, but this this announcement is all about the Undisputed Elite and the Bullet Cub because it's still their era. So there we go. Uh, we're getting Adam Cole uh, going against Tamahiro Ishii. Okay. Tamahiro Ishii in the Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament qualifier match next week. We also got um, an interview with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland for next week. Um, Lance Archer is going to take on Serpentico. Uh, Eddie Kingston is going to take on Daniel Garcia. Um, and Jay Cargill is going to defend the TBS championship against Marin Shafir. And that's all going to be on AEW Rampage. And then um, obviously next week for Dynamite, uh, Sammy Guevara, who basically, you know, was challenged by Scorpio Sky. He's going to defend the TNT championship in a ladder match 
Okay, another ladder match. I feel like in in the what six, seven, eight weeks. Just like the AEW gets so comfortable with doing these gimmick matches, whether it's a lights out, whether it's a Texas death match, whether it's a ladder match, whether it's a, you know, a, they don't have too many coffin matches. But, you know, it seemed like they do their gimmicks so often it doesn't feel special. Keep that same energy. We say this about the, the hell in the cells and the elimination chambers and stuff like that. It don't feel special no more when it's done over and over and over and over. So uh, Wardlow taking on Lance Archer next week so i guess this really is the five labors of wardlow because it seems like you know th- th- this is an opponent of of um mjf's choosing so i, I don't know i don't but they're obviously not going to call it that but this is lame to me i wish they would just get to the point give us wardlow he doesn't have to go through a series of matches beating you know the butcher and i'm sure he's going to beat lance archer he doesn't have to go through these series of matches just to get to MJF. I mean, if is this going to become a thing now? Anybody who wants to, their hands on MJF, they have to go through a, a five labors of whatever. Who knows? Philadelphia Street Fight set, Serena Deeb and her curl Sheeta um, having the rubber match. That should be interesting. Um, Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament qualifier. Dax and Cash are going to fight each other. I like it, but then I don't because I feel like tag team partners let alone champions who have no friction who have no issues with each other at all whatsoever should not be fighting i used uh owen hart and bulldog as an example i know a lot of the wrestling world is extremely excited fans i know you love it you can't wait for dax and cash i know they're gonna have an incredible match but i look at owen and bulldog they fought each other but they had a lot of turmoil there was a lot of battles between those two about who was the best who was the better teammate? Who was the reason why they were tag team champions? They had a lot of animosity amongst each other. So I felt like it was only right to have them fight each other. Now, maybe if Dax and Cash were on opposite sides of the bracket and then maybe eventually came together to fight each other like they met, like they would meet in the tournament, that's different. Maybe someone should have thought of that. I think that that would have been better. But hey, it is what it is. Or maybe, who knows, maybe that would have caused friction as well. But hey, that's what happens when you put two partners uh, going against each other. I'm sure Cash and Dax don't mind. They don't mind. You know, they're going to put on a good match regardless. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Bret Hart should show up. Show up for what? And give the same style of appearance that that, uh, William Regal had when he showed up? No, don't think so. Shout out to Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta. I, I'm on record saying that I'm not so high on Wheeler Yuta being a part of the Blackpool Combat Club. I think that spot should have been for Daniel Garcia. But Wheeler Yuta is doing really good in this role. He, I seen he got some new gear. So, hey, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm happy he got some new gear and he's out there. You know, he just doesn't look intimidating. That's all. And so I'm having a hard time really buying into what he's doing. I know off the bat, uh, you know, Daniel Garcia, would he's got that intense, he's got that thing about him, you know? So, but we'll see. Only time will tell if Yuta can change my mind. Um, but yeah, and the next week for Dynamite, we also have scheduled the Undisputed Elite, Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks taking on Dante Martin, Varsity Blondes, 
and Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. Why isn't Dante teaming with his brother? What happened? I don't know if I'm missing something, but even this week, he didn't team with his brother. He teamed with, you know, Brock Anderson and Lee Moriarty. But now he's teaming with Varsity Blondes. I swear, the, the way Tony Khan books tag team matches is very WCW style. Like, just random anything teams put together. Like, oh, this week you're going to team with this person and you're going to have a tag team match. Like, that's, that's just strange to me. It's really, really, really strange. But um, that's pretty much it uh, as far as the AEW goes. And I don't think there's any other news that, you know, has gone on in the wrestling world. So I think that's, that pretty much is going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, I'm going to be back with another episode. Uh, I'll be dropping on Saturday. I'll obviously talk SmackDown level up and AW Rampage. Um, but yeah, like I said, man, um, th- this week in wrestling has been interesting, uh, um, especially with that announcement uh, of New Japan and AEW. That's a big, 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 big deal. A lot of people are giving off their, um, their dream matches or their dream cards for that event. So we shall see. We shall see uh, if, if it comes together nicely or not. Um, but I think that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to get out of here. I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. Like I said at the beginning of the show, make sure you guys, you know, follow the socials, follow the show at Within the Ropes on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Brian Tronic. Um, follow my TikTok at Within the Ropes. Follow the TikTok at Within the Ropes. Within the Ropes has a TikTok now. I'm going to be posting all, ty- all types of stuff on there. Wrestling content, you got it. It's going to be there. Um, and Leah, like I said, thank you guys for, for tuning in. It's my third episode back. I'm still getting my wind. I'm still getting in my groove. Um, I'm still trying to stay consistent with this schedule, this new schedule, um, and maintain and push out content and, and just be here and be, um, you know, be, um, you know what I mean, be consistent. All right, from the Queen City. I didn't talk about Charlotte because Charlotte's on SmackDown. I definitely will be talking about Charlotte and Ronda and what I think about their upcoming match and what I think about Ronda Rousey. I got some things to say about Ronda Rousey, but that'll be on the next episode Saturday. Make sure you guys subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're new listening, if you just come up on the show and it's your first time listening, make sure you subscribe. I appreciate you for tuning in. Those of you who have been with me, and are continuing to listen and thank you so much and um i'll see you guys in the next episode wrestling fans have a good day or night whenever you're listening to this